0: You're here this morning and to come to worship the Lord. And uh, for the last few weeks, we have been centered on the birth of Christ and the Advent calendars and all the great things that we do at Christmas time. We've been wrapping presents, making cookies, making candies, eating candy, eating cookies, and all those things that we do. But It's been a great time, and I hope all of you have been blessed and had a great time with your family. As Rick announced, we're going to enter into a new year with fasting and prayer. And so I want to just talk to you a little bit about getting ready for that season of time. This last month, you have been so generous with your giving, and you have blessed the hurricane-ravaged South Louisiana the team that went and the gifts that you gave in the last couple of weeks, pouring gifts and things into the western Kentucky. We thank you for all that you do and all the blessings. And the spirit of giving is certainly upon you and upon this church. And so we just thank you for all that. God always is an on-time God and shows up right on time and he's always there for what we need. Can you say amen? amen. Well, we have talked about the net manger, and part of the story of Jesus centers around a tomb because he was placed in a tomb, but it was a, just for a short time he was in that tomb, and then he arose again, thank the Lord. And so, but tombs are a place where we put final rest the most of the time to people, our loved ones, and in our days there's not so many great tombs, but we have places that are, we go cemeteries that are beautiful places to visit and to visit our loved ones that have passed on. Throughout history, many great tombs were built. In Egypt, the pharaohs built huge pyramids to bury their Royalty in. And they fill those things with gold and gifts and all kinds of things. In India, they built the Taj Mahal. The Taj Mahal was in honor of the ruling person in India, that province. And each of the pyramids and also the Taj Mahal, if you can imagine, took over 20 years upward to build and it took 20,000 men to build it. Can you imagine that? And it's a beautiful place, and millions pour out to go and see it, but all the labor that went into to build a tomb to lock in a body. And I don't know about you, but I don't like being in tight places. I am claustrophobic, and I don't want the door to shut behind me if I can't see light and get out of there. When our loved ones pass and we want them in a beautiful place, a cemetery, some cemeteries are some of the most beautiful places in the world. Arlington Cemetery, where the tomb of the unknown soldier is, millions of people go and pay honor to those men that gave selfishly. And so it is a peaceful place and a beautiful place to go. Many times through the years, If I wanted to go to some place to pray or to meditate or just be along with God, I've chosen a cemetery that was near me that was nice and a pretty place to go. And so I would go there. Eleven years ago, my son and my grandmother passed away the same week. And uh, the cemetery in our town was just a block away from our house. And we were one of the last, it was a historic old cemetery, And we were one of the last families to get plots in there. So we were back in a corner. A tree had grown up so no one could be buried at the head of my son and my grandmother. So they said, you can use that if you want to, to plant flowers. So I did, Joyce. I put flowers. I put benches and wind chimes. And that was my place to go. Because it was a beautiful place to go and pay homage to my family. But there's... A lot of people are, don't like cemeteries and are afraid of cemeteries in those places, in those tombs. I'll never forget one time. I like to be there during the day and the restful times, but I wouldn't want to be there too long around a cemetery. And one time, I'll never forget, I was going through something, and I found me a cemetery. And I went down, and I sat down, and I was talking to the Lord, and I was kind of lost in the spirit and just caught up in the moment. And it was 6.30. It was time for him to close the cemetery. And the caretaker may have said, <clears throat> or something. I don't know, but I didn't hear it. And I, I was sitting there on, that, on a tombstone talking to the Lord. And all of a sudden, I felt a hand on my shoulder. Now, when I get scared, I tend to run in place, And I try, I can't get my words out. And so Ed, I was sitting there and I felt that hand on my shoulder. And I didn't know who had raised up to grab me. And my feet began, I started running in place. And I said, help. There's a time and a place to be in a tomb. And in dark, I don't want to be there when it's past closing time. Some of us have left, let the enemy box us in, or we've allowed ourselves to be, build a tomb around us. We've put up barriers. Thank you, Praise and Worship Team, for the beautiful songs and Mike. I think there was words in every song you picked today that I could relate to this message today. We walked around those walls so long, hoping they would fall, believing they would fall, But sometimes they haven't fell because we hadn't let them fall. We hadn't opened the door. We have to move out of our own tomb. We have to turn loose of the past. Some of us are holding on to the past with a death grip. We're holding on to things that happened in our childhood, things that happened in our past, pains that we endured, abuse, or some other things, and we hold on to the past, and it's time to move into a new year, a new year of fasting and prayer and believing God for breakthrough. We've had a rough couple of years, folks, and we've had a lot of unsure things going on, but it's time to get out of the past and see what God's going to do for us anew. Many of us have built tombs of failure. Every one of us, in the, under the sound of my voice, has failed. Some of us more than others. But we can't stay and we can't live in our failures. It's, the enemy says we're not good enough. We can't do better because we failed. The only thing of failure is if you stay down. It's time to get back up and move on. Apostle Paul said at the end of his journey he fought a good fight And he kept the faith. He never said he never failed, but he kept fighting and he kept the faith. And it's time that we keep fighting and tear it our way at our tombs. Fears. There's so many fears out there today. How many of you have deleted news? If you listen to news, you hear fears. Fears of the economy. Fears of what the next variant's going to do. Fears of we're going to run out of this, we're going to run out of that. Or we're going to run out of toilet paper before the next week. All those things that we fear, God is ready to to come to us and tear down those fears. We can't live with a spirit of fear, but of hope and joy. Amen? We have the issues. Never in my life, I've been around for 70 years, have I seen the government so divided and issues going on. Here, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. We're all Christians, and all the stuff that's going on, we've got to get over it. We've got to move through it and tear down those walls that are being built up around our tomb to lock us in to that place. Addictions. Some of us have struggled with addictions. Some of us are still fighting addictions. It's time to f- say enough is enough. I'm ready to turn it over. On Thursday nights, we will be having overcomers this week, and it is a safe place to come to. And we want you to come and know that you can get help. God wants to deliver you, and he wants to take you out of that bondage and tear down the tomb around you. All of us, if we admit it, have hidden things that we fight. Paul said that he had a thorn in his flesh, that he fought daily. And we have to deal with issues in our lives. Any place there's a hidden thing in our life, a secret, a dark place, a hidden thing, Satan has a place to grab hold of us and pull us down and keep us from moving forward. So we want to break those things. Unforgiveness. How many of us did not enjoy Christmas this year because we didn't go see Aunt Susie because we was mad at her? She didn't make us a pumpkin pie like she made John and Billy. So we got unforgiveness. Sister Sister Jane sat in my place last week, and I didn't have a place to sit on the front pew because Jane was sitting there. It's time to forgive Jane. Let her enjoy your seat. The Spirit of the Lord is moving back there on the back row, right? The Spirit of God's back there too. No matter where we sit, He's going to be there, amen, so let's get rid of unforgiveness. Let's drop our pride. You know, we think, well, I'm not prideful. Oh, listen, we all are prideful, you know. We have those places where we, you know, I look at some of you guys, and I have to, I have to admit that after service, I go home and have to repent because I covet because you got hair, you know. <laughs> My hair used to be all, somebody last night at Christmas, it always comes up. Somebody, saw, somebody gave me a mug, my son gave me a mug with pictures, a lot of pictures. And back in those days, my wife had hair this high, and I had mine styled all back, because it was hair to style back. There's not much hair there now. When I go get a haircut Norma always wants to spin me around and let me see the back of my hair. I don't want to see that bald spot back there. You know, it's pride. You know, the same pride that makes you, when you get that new Cadillac, pull up on the front row in the parking lot, get your hanky out and make sure you dust it off. Does everybody see my car? That's the same pride that makes the guy that pulls up in the old rusty pickup truck park around behind the church so you don't see what he drove. Pride is a horrible thing, and a lot of people are locked in to keeping up with the Joneses. One thing that I had in my life that I did not understand and did not have any tolerance for, there was a couple of things, but one thing was people would say, I'm so depressed, and I'd say, well, get up off your rear end and do something about it. You know, I thought you'd just snap your fingers and it all happened. You know, so many times we want a microwave fix for everything. We want to bring all the stuff we we built up or carried for a long time. We want to come to the altar, get annoyed with all, and just, bing, we're all free. When we built up tombs, sometimes it didn't always go away. Several years ago, I'd gone through some hard patch in my life and dealing with things, and I began to fall into what would happen to be 10 months of deep, dark depression. And I wouldn't say the word because I didn't believe in depression. So I wasn't going to say the word. I just didn't know what was going on with me. I didn't want to get out of bed. My life shut down. I was traveling full-time in ministry, and I canceled 10 months of speaking engagements. I didn't know how The Lord showed up every month with a check to supply our needs. But I was in this deep, dark place, and I didn't want to admit it, and I didn't know how to get out of it. So I went to Houston. I was on a board at my home church that reached out to people in need. And I went to a board meeting just because I had to. It was the end of the year board meeting. And. When I went and sat down, I thought, please let this get over as soon as possible so I can get back to my safe place in Deritter, Louisiana. I can shut the blinds, I can get on the couch, and I can just mope in my pit of despair. My pastor, who was my covering, leaned up in his chair and looked around the people in the room. He said, Ray, how long are you in town for? I said, I'm leaving right after this meeting. Had to get back to my safe place. He said, oh, okay. We, the board meeting continued. He reached, out, he reached up and said, Ray, the Lord told me you're supposed to speak to my church tonight. And listen, I tell you, I had a panic attack on the inside. I thought I can't do it. There were between 1, and 2,000 people on Wednesday nights, and I thought I can't do it. I haven't even been able to preach for 10 months. There's no way. And I said, Steve, I don't have a Bible. I don't have any notes. He said, I'll loan you my Bible. Talking about in a mess, I was in a pickle, folks. As soon as the meeting was over, he took me to his office. He said, I need to talk to you. He sat me down in a chair, and he sat down in his chair. He said, how long have you been here? I said, "Oh, I just came to town today. He said, you know what I mean. How long have you been so depressed? And I said, "Uh, I'm depressed. He said, I know because I've been right where you are. And he said, you need help, and you're going to have to figure out how to get out of this place. Before he could tell me how to get out of that place, he said, it's 730. We've got to go to church. I had not opened my Bible. I was a bundle of nerves. I said, God, I can't do this without you. That's how I feel every time I get in the pulpit. If God did not show up, we're all in trouble, guys. And God showed up, and I was able to minister. And part of the, what I ministered was God ministering to me. And he told me, you've been here long enough. You're going to have to get out of here. And I'm going I'll tell you a little bit how I got out later. We have to let the pain and the shame go. It's locked us in our tomb long enough. We have to get real and be honest and be accountable and reach out to people who can help us. We've got to be trust each other so that we can go and receive what we need. Jesus was known for holding up, stopping funeral possessions. He went to stop the young man on... On the way to his mother to bury him, he stopped the funeral procession. I don't know about you, but I've never had that happen to me. No one's ever pulled over and said, Stop the hearse, we're going to raise a body. He went to Jairus's house, and there the mourners had already gathered. You know, we have a lot of different funeral customs today. Some of you may remember, I don't know if in Illinois, I'm from the hills of Georgia Years ago, I used to whang real bad, and you could really tell it. My parents moved to Texas. I started drawing and a so I whanged and drawed, and then got moved to Louisiana and had to f- try to understand those Cajuns four or three times, you know. So I've been all those places, but I, I uh, grew up in North Georgia, and in North Georgia, if you really loved. Sixty years ago, when I was a kid, if you really loved your loved one, you didn't want to leave them at the funeral home when they died. They brought them to your home. And for a young man, that was hard. We had a bigger house, and when somebody died in our family, everybody wanted to wake to be at our house. Now, Charles told me that years ago, before they embalmed people, the reason they called it a wake It's because just in case that person really went dead and they woke up, they wanted somebody to be there. But when a loved one would die, if they died at 7 o'clock in the morning, by 4 o'clock in the afternoon, they were in their casket in our living room with curtains and lamps and all the things that they have. There were three groups of people that would show up. One was the people in the kitchen making food because people came in. If you worked till midnight and got off work, came you came to view the body and you came to, to pay your respects. So there was always food and there was always mourners. Those are the people that like to help you mourn. They would stand around the casket and help you cry and mourn. And then there were those people outside that they were had mourned long enough and they needed some relief. And they were out smoking or drinking under the trees. That was the way I grew up in North Georgia. But when they went, when Jesus went to Jairus, as he told the mourners, mourners, he didn't need them because he had come to bring life, and he did. He brought life to that little girl. Wherever he showed up, and there was death, he showed up in Lazarus' tomb, and Lazarus had been dead four days and was already stinking, but he showed up at his tomb. It's recorded. Jesus was like you and I. He had feelings as a man, and he wept because he had lost his friend. He stood at the tomb of Lazarus, and with a loud voice cried, told the people there, roll the stone away, and they rolled it away. And he told them, Lazarus, come forth, and here come Lazarus, all wrapped up, but much alive. He told them, and it's when That's when he told the guys, now I've done my part, it's time for you to do your part. Unwrap him. Some people complained, well, he's been dead four days, he stinks. Some said it's against our rules, but he still needed to be unwrapped. That's where some of us that have been set free, we need you on Thursday nights at Overcomers to give your testimonies, to help those and take people that are still wrapped up to help them unwrap and get rid of their tombs. Some people say, well, how long does that take? It depends on how much how wrapped up you are and how much you've been through. But God is able to set you free and we need some of you to unwrappers to come around. Several years ago in Houston we had was a part of a ministry as I'm nervous, so I get thirsty. But we ministered to HIV and AIDS patients, and many of those, I was a hospital chaplain and we worked with them, and, and as a side note, it made me think, Rick, when Rick was trying to pray and something got interrupted. I was preaching this funeral one time for an AIDS patient, and the family came to me and said, we want." This funeral to be a celebration. We want it to be a happy funeral. So, can you make it lighthearted? I thought, how do you make a funeral lighthearted? And it was in a little chapel. And I, back then, it was before phones, we had cell phones, we had beepers. I had two beepers, one for the hospital and one for the church. And just as I began to pray, I, I said, Lord, could we hear from you today? And one of the beepers went beep, 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 beep. I was trying to shut it off, and I sat down, and I thought, you know, I've got to regain this crowd, because everybody was laughing. And I said, well, I've had the Lord answer in a lot of ways, but never that quick in that way. One of the ladies in the back said, just be thankful he's got your number. Well, we had a lighthearted funeral. But we had several young men, and during that time we had a TV show once a month that we, would, we were live from in the afternoon at 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock, and then at 8 o'clock at night, and from 1 a.m. to 2 a.m. it was replayed, and from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. it was replayed in the morning. The most calls always came from 1 a.m. to 2 o'clock. People were trying to sleep, they were struggling with their tombs. They were struggling with their addictions. And so people would call and want to know and want to talk to somebody. So one night I was sitting there, and I got a call. The phone began to ring about 1.30. I answered, and there was a young man on the other end of the phone. He was so inebriated that he didn't know where he was at partly. And he said, is this the preacher that has the ministry for AIDS patients? And I said, yes. Can I come? I said, well, sure you can come. Can you take directions? And it took about 30 minutes to get directions down to him. And when I hung up, my wife said, who in the world was that? I said, I don't know, but he won't remember he called, so don't worry about it. But Thursday night, sure enough, he showed up at my door, weighing about 95 pounds, looking like death warmed over. He came in. Strutted in, I called you, and is this the right place? I said, it's the right place. We had two ladies in our group that were elderly. They had lost their brother to AIDS, and they always were there to be helpers and unwrappers. One had a platter of chocolate chip cookies. The other had a platter of brownies. They met Ryan, and they started hugging him and said, Come sit with us. They sat on either side of him. They patted him. They fed him. They just loved on him. So at the end of the meeting, I said, does anyone have a prayer request? He stood up and he said, pray for me. The doctors say I can't gain any weight, so just pray to your God. Pray. And I thought, well, you, I don't know about that kind of response. You didn't seem very sincere. You know, aren't you glad we're not God? Aren't you thankful because he hears whoever's prayer? And so after he went home that night, we prayed with him. The next week, he was the first one there, and he walked in. When he came down my hall, he was glowing. And I said, Ryan, what happened to you? He said, well, I've gained 10 pounds. And I said, wow, that is amazing. He said, yep. And he said, you know what? Something really weird happened to me this week. I said, really, what happened? And he didn't, you know, some of us have been raised around church and we know how to approach God. We walk in we say, Holy Father, mighty God, we're here today to worship you. He'd never been around church, but he thought he needed, he said, I got to thinking, I needed to, God obviously did this. So he said, I pointed up to heaven and he said, dude, I want to thank you for what you did for me. And when he said, dude, I thought, Lord, don't let lightning flash. He's not being disrespectful. He doesn't know any better. He said, so I began to thank the dude. He said, when I was thanking the dude, the dude said, I realized the dude had forgiven me. And so I got down on my hands and knees, and I started praying out to the dude. He said, I was bawling and squalling. And he said, all of a sudden, My load just got lighter and I felt good. He said, I don't know what you believe. See, we hadn't been giving him Bible lessons or we hadn't been taking the Word of God and beating over his head. We just loved on him with hugs and cookies. Someone's got a call. Make sure we're in tune here. So he said, I began to feel something great. He said, I don't know what you people believe. But I began to speak in some kind of foreign language. The Lord reached down that living room for that young man and filled him with the Holy Spirit. Because he broke loose from his tomb, and he got out. That was Thursday night. We loved on him. We sent him home with cookies. Friday night, he got to feeling bad. He went to the hospital. They called me at 6.30 that morning, and before I could get to the hospital, Ryan went home from his prison forever because God is faithful and he sees us right where we are. Now, we don't want him to show up at our tomb all the time for him to take us home, right? Some of us would like to stay around for a while. We had another young man in our ministry. He was in prison. He had been in prison for seven years, but he was dying of AIDS. They sent him to the University of Texas Hospital in Galveston, Texas. The family, the doctor said, You just gotta give up. It's the end. We need to turn the ventilators off and let him go. They turned the ventilators off, but he had two praying aunts and a grandmother that believed that God was gonna save Lee. And so the doctor came in, pronounced Lee dead. They rolled him to the funeral to the morgue, shut the door and called a funeral home. Four hours later, the funeral director came to the morgue and when he opened the door, the nurses heard a scream. And coming down the morgue hall was the undertaker. He said, he's alive, he's alive. And sure enough, Lee was sitting up on the side of that gurney, breathing very weak, but alive. And they got a stretcher, took him back to the hospital room. Now he had in four hours, paperwork usually takes a long time, but for Lee, they were discharged him, released him from prison, and discharged him from the hospital, and he had a, needed a place to go. So I get a phone call that Lee needs a pickup. So we go out and get Lee, and the first time I saw him, he had a cane in both hands, and he was 85 pounds, barely 80, stretching, falling, tweaking, we was having to hold him up. He walked in on a Wednesday afternoon, and on Thursday afternoon, night, we were having a benefit concert with Phillips, Craig, and Dean. And he found out, and he said, I want to go to the concert. I said, Lee, you're too weak. You don't need to be going out to a concert. Well, he hadn't been anywhere in seven years, folks. He just wanted to go somewhere. So he went to the concert, and he sat on the front row. And while Phillips, Craig, and Dean were singing, Mercy Came a-Running, Mercy and grace ran to Nick, I mean to Lee on the front row and he raised his hands and God met his needs. So he was free from his tomb. And we thought it was over. And I thought I said, "Thank God, Lisa. You've saved him so he can go to heaven. You can take him home now, Lord." But the Lord didn't take him home. Lee started eating like a horse. He told us he was An artist. He was a woodworker. And if you'll get me some tools, I'll I'll do things for the ministry. I'll help. He kept gaining weight. He fell in love with one of the ladies who was in our ladies' home and got married. He gained weight and gained weight. He got to be 195 pounds. He said, Pastor, pray, I gotta go on a diet. (laughs) When he got set free, he got set free. He lived for many years and died of natural causes or a heart attack. Not AIDS didn't get him. Guys, it's time we get out of our tombs. For Lee, he had many gifts and many things that he could bring to the kingdom of God. He had gifts. Jeremiah 29, 11, he says he knows the gifts and the things that he has for us, things to make us prosper. And to grow. Lee had many talents, and I wonder how many talents and gifts are sitting in this auditorium if we could just get free from our bondage and get free as we enter into this new year and we start believing God and praying and fasting for a great revival that's going to happen, folks. Our pastor has preached, Pastor Rick has preached, and we're believing for a great outpouring in these last days started telling you about my 10 months of depression. I went home. I didn't want to take pills. I grew up in a home with that had prescription drug addiction, and I didn't want to take pills. So I said, Lord, show me a way. For me, it was praise and worship. I love praise and worship music. I put a boom box in the living room. I put one in the kitchen. I put one on the back deck. And when I would feel that sinking feeling or that darkness of the tomb coming around me, I'd start singing. I'd turn up those boom boxes, and I'd start singing. He set me free, yes, he set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. See, Some of y'all don't know those old songs. I began to sing about the walls. I I like the one about rattling, rattling. He got to rattling inside me. And it we wasn't but a few weeks till I was set free of the bondage. And he is, wants to set every one of you free of whatever your bondage is today. Are you ready to get free? You know, Paul and Silas were, were thrown into jail. They could have just moaned and groaned and talked about how bad the child was, how mean the guards were, how nasty it was in there. Paul or Silas, one brought up the conversation, you know, we got a lot to be thankful for. Let's just thank the Lord. And they begin to sing, as they begin to sing, the jail begin to shake, and the walls begin to fall. It's time you let the Lord shake your tomb apart. Let it fall all around you. In Philippians 4 and 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I Say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evidence to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, It's time to get free. As we start into this year, let's believe God for a great revival. Let's believe the Lord to tear down those places. We have the key. Jesus is here to do it. We have to let Him do it. You know, you deserve to be free. I tell our overcomers, you can't be free from addiction or whatever life controlling issue if you're doing it for your wife if you're doing it for your husband, if you're doing it for your kids, your parents, you've got to do it for yourself. You've lived in this place long enough. It's time to move out and get to a new place. Amen. And as they worship, let's just bow our heads. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are the grave opener. Lord, you're the tomb destroyer. Lord, we've built this up for too many years and for too long we've said with unforgiveness bitterness in our lives we ask you to release it today lord as we pray and fast the next three weeks lord we ask that you move in a mighty way in our church and let revival tear down the tombs not only here lord but tear down the tombs in this community lord to renew and touch people in name of Jesus. God, let the revival fall now in this place. Amen. Thank you,
1: Jesus. Thank